Hello, and welcome to the Northwest College Support Interview Series. My name is Hunter, and I'm here with Dan and Connor. Hello, Dan. Hello, Hunter. It's good to be back with you again, and welcome, Connor. Yeah, thank you, Dan and Hunter. It's good to be here. I'm very excited. This is my first ever podcast. Yeah, well, you know, we've done three so far, and uh, we're, you know, we're really after the funniest staff. Oh, yeah. You know, that's kind of our top value. <laughs> Humor. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. we, you know, we get bored easily, and it's fun to, you know, it's nice if people are funny. Sure. I'll, yeah. I'll try. That's that's what Jamie told me. She said that uh, it's important to be funny. So, <laughs> Jamie did pretty good. She was funny. She did fantastic. Yeah, she did a really uh, good job. That Parks and Rec quote story was was pretty good. <laughs> I, I aspire to do that one day in my job interviews. <laughs> so, Connor is with us, and Connor is the supervisor of our life coaches, and. Connor has kind of a range of responsibilities here, but primary task is to supervise, oversee, and kind of help develop the life coaching program here at Northwest College Support. To go with that, Connor is kind of our specialist on life skills and works with students in the program to develop a range of day-to-day life skills and uh, has kind of a specific interest in different things, but does a lot of work with people around things like finance and job search. So great to have Connor here to kind of talk a little bit about his background and talk about how we ended up at Northwest College Support. Yeah, a lot of that I learned actually kind of on uh, while I was here. You know, I started working here when I was 19 years old, um, and I definitely didn't know as much about it as I do now, being 25. But yeah, it's it's been something that kind of interests me. I wanted to study economics for a while, but then I decided I'm just going to finish up my psychology degree and get out of here instead of switching. So so when I had a story kind of like that, my first ever residential treatment place I ever worked at, same thing, I was 24, 25, and I didn't know how to cook anything. Nothing. I mean, I didn't cook anything mm-hmm. for myself. I made pizza and microwave things. Right. Like That was all I had ever done. And so the job I work, each day, we had to make a meal for the kids. And so I would, like, go online and, like, read and study, like, how to cook it. And I mm-hmm. would practice the meal that the kids were going to eat the next day that I had to make with them. Right. And I would practice and make that for myself the day before so I knew how to do it. Yeah. The next day, I just had to, like, stay one step ahead of the menu. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. My, my go-to meal in college I would do, it's a free recipe, I would do a bunch of brown rice, a bunch of pork, and then a few salsa and orange jam. You put all that together, huh. the whole thing costs like $12, and you can eat it for probably five days or so. There you go. It's, it's good to have a go-to. Yeah. Other people don't, I wouldn't recommend it like for a date. It looks kind of like sludge. <laughs> Duly noted. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself, Connor. What's the need to know? Well, um, I was born in California, but I have grown up in Idaho. I went to school at University of Idaho. It's where I met Dan. Let's see, something interesting about me 
One thing people find interesting usually is I do uh, medieval recreation through the Society for Creative Anachronism. And so I can make armor and we basically do these battles where you recreate, you know, sword fighting. But the, the kind of twist to it, which makes it not LARPing and makes it cool, is that it's actually like you really lay into each other. You really hate each other. So it's kind of this mix of something really nerdy, but then also kind of intense. So that's one thing about me. <laughs> I like that you had to justify it from LARPing. It's, I swear I'm not the dude that dresses up and pretends to be an elf. Yeah, that's I'm a cool guy. That's what people always, they're like, have you seen role models? Like, yeah, I've seen role models. <laughs> not like role models. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you said you started at Northwest College Support when you were 19. Tell us a little bit about your, your journey to get there. Yeah. Um, so I was in my sophomore year. Uh, when I think the program expanded to the point that it had students going to school in Moscow, Idaho. So they were they had uh, basically been going to NIC and then uh, were transferring over to U of I. And so that meant that uh, at that time, Dan had to drive up and, uh, for every meeting. It's like an hour and a half drive. And so if you're trying to meet with somebody three times a week, it's an hour and a half there and an hour and a half back. So I think he got kind of sick of that. And that was really fortunate for me because I was going to school there at the time. And I think the way that we ended up meeting was that you knew my dad at Cooney Bridge Academy. And he basically told you about me. And then we met up at Bagel Shop. If you're ever in Moscow, it's delicious. Best bagels in Idaho, probably. I mean, like, I don't think I don't think Idaho is really yeah. well known for bagels. And it's the only place that I've had like really good bagels. Yeah. I can't really think of any competition. Yeah. There's no where else that really would even come into Interestingly enough, the best bagel shop in Coeur d'Alene used to be in our office. This one or the, across the street? Across the street. It used oh. to be a bagel shop. There you go. Little known fact. Used to be a bagel shop. Used to be a auto body repairer. Used to be a law office. Now a office college sport. And now we're there. Thing. The layout seems really strange for a bagel shop. I'm, I'm trying to imagine what that would look like. Yeah, so it looked a lot different. But the last thing when it really got into its current configuration was a guy turned it into a art pottery studio. And so each office is actually built with a different intention of a different type of art. And so if you next time you go through there and you imagine, like, was this where they did clay? And this one here was doing solo portraits and there, but it was like he was making it with some intentionality of how different artists could come in and do their specific thing in their specific space it's kind of cool i didn't realize that that office had been used for so much it's a lot of different things all sorts of things yeah where so. were we at <laughs> <laughs> yeah we got very sidetracked um so we were at values so we have a set of values in the program and just want to know what your favorite one is, what inspires you, I guess. Mm -hmm. I think my personal favorite is uh, least restrictive environment. Has anyone done that one? I don't want to maybe double up, but I guess I... Everyone thinks they're going to double up with somebody else, but even if you do, you, people like it for different reasons. Sure, that's but fine. I don't think anyone said least restrictive environment yet. Oh, good. Well, I would choose that one. And the reason is that that is really in line with my own personal values. I really think that people thrive when you kind of give them the opportunity to do so. Probably more often when you try to create more structure, it probably gets more confusing. The other part that isn't necessarily in that value, but is kind of the clause at the end is least restrictive environment possible. Sometimes you, you have to have some restriction 
Uh, but I think that it's important and that one always helps us keep in mind that the goal is to get to somewhere where you really are, are just have transitioned into, you know, an adult independent life. Uh, and I think without that one, it, it ends up uh, not working as well. So I try and always think of that one when I'm working with people and be like, how do we get to a road where the restrictions are basically completely gone, where, you know, you've moved on to your own. Yeah, I mean, I think that least restrictive environment is an important value and in some ways is almost the opposite of most residential treatment. Sure. Usually residential treatment starts with restriction and then goes from there. And to be willing to not restrict people is something that actually a lot of treatment centers aren't willing to take on. Right. Well, it would definitely be easier, you know, to only do that because it does... It's kind of the one that that pulls you in the other direction so that you can kind of find balance because inherently you're going to have restrictions. Right. So it's important to say we even though there are some, we want it to be the least amount possible. It's like scaffolding. And so I think I was working at this one residential treatment center and every week there was a new lock somewhere. Like at first there was a gym and then there was a lock and you couldn't go to the gym unless the staff let you into the gym. Yeah. And then there was a refrigerator and there was a lock on the refrigerator and you can go into the refrigerator until you had unlocked it. And so it was like, boy, if you're not careful about that, like you're saying, if you don't have that opposite mm-hmm. pole, you're going to get yourself in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when you have, when you have a ton of restriction, you don't even, uh, sometimes I, one time we had a parent say, um, when they were in wilderness, they didn't play video games at all. Like what's happening in this program. It's like, how would you go, play video games? Of course not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Of course they didn't there. But when here you could, you can play video games. You have the option, uh, to do nothing but that. Then you have to actually choose to make good decisions. I think that's more lasting. Speaking of, uh, the lock story and reminiscing on your times in, uh, different programs do you have any fun stories for us connor i do (laughs) it's hard to choose you know i've worked there for a while but i i think this story kind of illustrates sometimes when you're a life coach you come across maybe these gaps in knowledge just because people have not had to experience things they would have normally particularly if they've been in programs then and then came here so there's some things that they might not have done that you might look at them and they're put together and then there's something that they're missing uh, I went grocery shopping with a student and they have $75 that they can spend a week. And, uh, this student consistently was way under budget, like only like 30 something dollars. And we'd have to go back, but really healthy choices. And I, uh, one time went with him and was looking at his cart and he came back and he was like, and all right, that's five already. And it was not a lot going on in the cart. And, you know, I was like, why don't we go back and get some more stuff? It's probably only $30 worth of things. And he's like, yeah, it's these eggs. The eggs are so expensive. And it's like, eggs, eggs are like only $3. He's like, yeah, but you buy an 18 pack, it's like like $36 for all these eggs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it's not like that. Yeah, it's not, not per egg. So just lit up, super excited, got a ton of eggs. And, yeah. <laughs> Three dollars for the whole thing. Yeah, it was like it was his birthday. He looked really happy. <laughs> I couldn't believe that if you thought eggs were thirty-six dollars for an eighteen-pack, you would actually be buying them. So, what's well, interesting when you have that role where you're doing so many life skills with people? We all have gaps right. in our learning and our experience. We don't know our own gaps very well. Like we don't know the things we don't know. Yeah. So it's interesting to be in that place where you're seeing, kind of bumping up into these gaps of information that we all actually have right 
but you know you're you're getting to experience that with those individual students right well and you were talking about about figuring out how to cook a bunch of stuff while you were working here right you know when if you're a life coach at a program kind of the assumption is that you know how to do all this stuff so you're going to teach people but like you said you suddenly you find gaps you know right like i don't really do a lot of laundry myself I really have. <laughs> so if I if I possibly can, I steer away from it. But then I'm like, well, okay, I'm gonna have to figure it out and learn how to do laundry. And so, yeah, no, I've gotten kind of better at it. Before I was just just wash it, dry it. But there's a lot more going on than that if you want it done actually right. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> okay, the next podcast, how to fold laundry 101. Yeah. I thought it was just washing and drying. <laughs> man, I'm I'm confused. I guess I found my egg carton gap. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's more to it. We have to hang out, and I'll show you. <laughs> so uh, you said you've worked in the mental health industry, and uh, Dan has too. What are some of the changes you would like to see, just kind of in the abstract sense, I suppose? Well, it, I've only worked at, at this company. Um, I think something that I would say, and this maybe is like almost least restrictive environment, but for the field itself, um, and I think we do a really good job of, of um, battling this kind of trend. But in my opinion, over time, um, it, people have had to almost soften up the advice. A lot of times when you work with someone, you, you want to, I think to promote change, you have to be kind of direct. That risks offending people. That risks p- people's feelings being hurt. But I think from that comes actual change. And I think, I think the way it is now is, is probably fine, but I think people just need to be careful as, um, as culturally, even outside of mental health, we become more uh, sensitive, more geared towards making sure that just everybody is, is happy. Um, and that doesn't, to me, kind of jive with actually promoting positive change. So I think that would be something that I would always, if you're in mental health, you know, it's important that you, you know, you want a relationship to be good, but um, we're not like friends, if that makes sense. And even hearing that, you're like, oh, that doesn't sound very good, <laughs> but it's true. And I think to actually be able to help people, you have to keep that in mind and be, um, and be willing to kind of say what needs to be said. And, and, uh, and I think anyone being in treatment should expect that too. You know, the expectation should be, you're going to hear stuff that's unpleasant, um, or maybe just uncomfortable to have to, to process. And as a staff, it's definitely easier to not say those things, you know? easier to just you know be cool but i always say like there's sometimes like you got that gut feeling of like something hard you have to say to somebody mm-hmm. maybe it's like a friend or a family member and you kind of know the thing but in a lot of situations in life you can just ignore that and move on <laughs> right when that's maybe not healthy Shame. but especially when it's your job yeah. sometimes you've got to be like okay i know if i don't bring this up this is going to be a challenge for this young person in the future right so i gotta go in and be like Hey man, you got a shower. Yep. Yeah. You think it's not good. <laughs> right. Right? Like you got to tell yeah. somebody that or else they're not going to get a job or they're not going right. to get friends. And sometimes if you're not the person willing to do it, well, who's going to help them? Yep. Yeah. You're it and I think it comes from a place of, you know, you're trying to have empathy for them and like I don't want to tell someone they stink. But you're not actually helping them. You're, you're helping them in a really short-term sense that, like, right now their feelings aren't hurt, but then they just still stink. Right. I uh, had a student that always would just walk behind me, like, 15 yards. Right. Anytime we went somewhere, 
And it was really easy to just do that because then I'm just walking by myself and it's like no big deal. And it's really uncomfortable to tell someone like, if you walk somewhere with somebody, you have to walk next to them. It just is strange if we're going to the same place for you to kind of trail behind me. So even if you don't want to, you have to walk next to me and we're going to talk while we go there about something, you know, I could have ignored that forever, but then it's like, they're going to do that keep doing with that. an employer or with a date. And it's going to be strange. Yeah. You go on that date and you walk 15 feet behind her. Like right. that's, there's no second date. <laughs> right. That's that. Yeah. Yeah. She'll increase the distance, start walking faster. And then you've just been left behind entirely. Yeah, that's right. Dating seems to be uh, a struggle for a lot of kids in the program here. Maybe we should get a dating coach. <laughs> A little romance segment, you know. If I had my choice, there'd be no dating. But I haven't ever figured out how to get that's humans that, not to date other humans. That you don't want to restrict their environment. No, that's much. right. I yeah. know. It sure does get in the way. <laughs> Relationships are complicated. I don't know if anybody's ever known that before. Yeah. I think I think we just go the total opposite route. It's like you either have to be like, there's no dating allowed whatsoever, or okay, you can do anything, just don't tell me about it. Like I just don't want to be involved at all. I think we've gone that way. It's the right way to do it. I don't know. I think in counseling, we end up spending quite a bit of time talking about relationships. So yeah, just like everything, you got to find some balance in it. Maybe a dating coach, though. <laughs> <laughs> we might get more people in the program if we advertise that one. Right. Help <laughs> you get a girlfriend, too. Yeah. That would certainly draw in some people. Yeah. <laughs> There's certainly a few people that I've met in this program that could benefit from that. <laughs> yeah. Snap. <laughs> it's harsh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I could benefit from that. I'm married, but, you know. Yeah, sure. you know. You know what are you doing what with are... a dating coach, Dan? <laughs> no, I mean, just like more <laughs> skills, right? Yeah. Like everyone can improve their relationship <laughs> skills. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> right, strike that from the record. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so that's actually the end of the pre-written questions we have. Uh, do you have anything else you would like to leave us with, Connor? Hmm. No, I don't think I have any you know, final parting words or anything. Your parting words or I don't have any parting words. <laughs> I guess I do then. <laughs> <laughs> Well, good. Hey, thanks for coming in, Connor. Appreciate you taking the time for the interview. Yeah, of course. Happy to do it. Thank you very much. You did a good job. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So How, he, what do you think? He was, he was kind of funny. Yeah, I really like the egg story. That, that was one, a good one. That yeah. one was, that was a good fantastic. Story. Yeah. yeah. I was kind of waiting for the twist at the end. And, and did you? The and then I, I did it, right? Good. Yeah. yeah. I, th- there's some worse ones, but you don't, you know... The egg one seemed kind of like family friendly. You know, this could be on the website. It's like it's, har- <laughs> it's harmless. It's not. You know, there's yeah. some other ones that are. It's like, a good example. It's a good example of the kind of information that could easily be missed. Good. Well, this, thanks. On to the next one, Hunter. Yeah. This has been Northwest College for Interview Series with Dan and Connor. 